Welcome to Fireside Chat, a short interlude with weekly features, where I, Yehoz Joplukas, will be showcasing and interviewing prominent D&D creators. This week, we are talking to Harrison, a member of the Arcus Ostrad community and founder consultant for Twice Bitten, about using VTTs for your Dungeons & Dragons games. What are the major differences between running D&D in person versus online? What are the major challenges and benefits in switching to a virtual tabletop? So obviously one of the biggest differences between playing at a table versus a VTT is the lack of physicality. And this certainly can have a mechanical impact on how you run your game, as well as a massively different social experience. If you don't give specific thought towards catering to and maintaining the social aspects of what makes D&D fun for a lot of people, then a session played via VTT can feel a little impersonal. That being said, there are also some enormous benefits. Playing via a VTT provides tools that can cut out a lot of time with playing at a table. Rules and details are typically only a couple of clicks away in a compendium or resource, and processes such as dice rolling and the calculation of attack and damage rolls can be done via automation, which can dramatically increase the flow of combat. Personally, i found this makes VTT an easier entry point of a hobby for new players too, as it takes a lot of the pressure off some of the more mathematic aspects of the hobby, allowing them to focus on learning and growing comfortable with other areas first. Which virtual tabletop tools might a dungeon master want to know about when moving to an online game? It's very important before beginning or transitioning your campaign to a VTT setting that you understand the features of your chosen software, what technical requirements it has for you and your players, and whether all of you are able to meet them. I know more than one DM who's tried to host a VTT server for their group after setting up loads of their software in their campaign, and then realize after paying out for it that their wireless connection or the connection of one of their players isn't good enough to work on it. You want to consider the strengths of that VTT arguably has over table sessions and work out how you want to incorporate these strengths. Typically, this includes things such as an ease of access to media like images and audio and effects that you can utilize but just aren't practical at a table session. A very important factor to keep in mind that I personally found to be a big initial hurdle to VTT is losing the multi-channel input that you have at a table. By that, I mean that when, you, when you're sat at the table, you can see the visual cues of players who might want to speak or have something to input while someone else is talking. And you can telegraph who you want to speak up next. You're able to non-verbally communicate with multiple people at once, and sometimes smaller in-character conversations can break out around the table and still be manageable for you. When playing online, however, you're often restricted to a single voice channel, and this can lead to situations where people talk over each other, keep interrupting and stopping for each other, and generally have less sync or flow than you might have at a table. I felt this is a roadblock that any DM looking to run D&D via a VTT needs to be aware of and have solutions in place for. Some of these might include the use of a supplementary Discord channel or using the chatbot feature of your VTT to communicate side conversations or player intent without interrupting or ongoing dialogue. Some VTT have modules available that can also add tools to help with this. What unique aspects or resources does Kutterstrad have that can be conveyed particularly well through a VTT? So although different plays and campaigns portray it to different degrees, Curse of Strahd is first and foremost a horror campaign. 
This provides so many opportunities to immerse your players using a VTT that I feel is just often not possible at a table. Atmospherics, particularly involving dynamic lighting and line of sight, can create some extremely scary and unsettling moments, particularly if you take the opportunity to use your VTT to make items like torches become relevant again. At a table setting, torches are often one of those quickly disregarded items that appear in Explorers or Dungeoneers packs and then might never get referenced again for the entire campaign. When you're in a dark horror setting with dwindling light and poor visibility, combining this with a VTT playstyle can cast dance and shadows or provide line of sight from your torch like melting off into the darkness of a crypt you're exploring, but you can't quite see the ghoul that you suspect is there, even though you can hear it creeping around thanks to the audio ambience and targeted sound effect in your VTT, can make a real sort of chef's kiss moment that really ties off the horror of a campaign. How have you used your virtual tabletop expertise to enrich the experience of your Cursor Shroud games? So really, it's a bit of a continuation of my previous answer, really. Ramping the atmospherics up to 11. So my group have literally just managed to drag themselves out of Berez in our last session, and several of the group have said that they felt that the horror they experienced there has made for some of their most their favourite and most memorable sessions in the 97 and counting sessions of our campaign so far. I ran Berez as a hex crawl, which was made easier using a VTT by me having hidden journal entries visible only to myself on the region map that were fixed locations in the hexes. I even drew out on screen shaded regions, visible only to myself, that indicated how high the water would typically reach on the players, so there was some variety to how they had to travel, which didn't matter because someone cast water walking straight away and they disregarded the whole thing. Personally, I use Foundry VTT, which I cannot recommend enough. Fantastic. It also has some built-in sound and animated asset support. Now, I used that to obscure the map with heavy fog effects in like a GIF format and lay an ambient track of swamp sounds and a separate track for swarms of flies, and I'd gradually increase the volume of that whenever the group was staying still to represent the flies settling in and stopping them from resting. As the group reached important set-piece locations with their own battle maps, I'd use the fog assets again in addition to decreased visibility effects to really drive home the feeling of them being lost, isolated, and increasingly worn down. It was particularly fun to play creepy low-volume music box noises out of the fog and leave them wondering what it was. It was an extremely enjoyable experience for players and an enjoyably sadistic one for me as DM. What's your experience been like trying to translate the knowledge from your home game into the streaming format of Twice Bitten? Have there been any unexpected roadblocks or insights? I found it extremely fun and rewarding making my small contributions to Twice Bitten and particularly discussing with the cast and crews ways that the VTT could be utilized. It's a bit of a blessing that, although Dragonair will certainly have surprises and depth in store, everyone in the group is a Curse of Strahd DM, so the broad strokes can be discussed without ruining the experience of a cast. This means I often have a good sounding board for bouncing ideas off and discussing the way we can use VTT to enrich the experience. Death House in particular was a lot of fun. Sourcing assets, discussing the ways that marks of horror could be incorporated, and so on. As the characters develop and begin to branch out into subclasses, I'm also looking forward to working with the players to see what character-specific features, animations, and visuals we can come up with. 
Some of these are already in planning and discussion, and you should definitely keep an eye out for those as time goes on. 